Well, I'm glad we had some extra time for worship this morning. How many know Pentecost is a day of celebration? Pentecost is a day of rejoicing. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen? We've got a lot to remember and, and really think about. I uh, want to tell you, maybe some of you may not have had a chance to uh, participate with us this week as we've been praying uh, each day and opening the doors in the house for prayer for the nation. And uh, if you didn't hear the story, we, we had been made aware of on Monday night or Monday about that time frame that there were some Koreans who had flown over from, from Korea to America for the purpose of interceding for revival in America. And they were, they were set up in 20 different cities praying for our nation. Aren't you thankful? It was a nation that America has sown into South, South Korea um, and the gospel and missions and even our soldiers over there protecting them. And they told the story of how because of America's investment in them, that they are now the 10th biggest economy in the world. They are, um, they've just prospered because of the gospel. I mean, I mean, it's so significant uh, what has happened in their nation since the gospel came to their nation because the gospel turns things around. Come on. A nation is, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so the gospel changes things in a nation. And so they were so grateful. They said, you came to us in our time of need in America. You're in need now. So we're coming to pray for you. And so I'm thankful that there are people who have a heart for this nation. And so we're continuing to pray tonight. I just wanted to add that um, it's been a focus because we desperately need a move of God in this nation. That's the only thing that's going to turn the tide of evil. That's the only thing that's going to come against the torrent of of ungodliness, godlessness in our nation. And I I believe there's been times and seasons where things got really dark in America and, and the church began to cry out and things shifted. As it goes with the church, listen to this, so it goes with the nation. As it goes with the church, so it goes with the nation. So when we look at situations, our temptation is to point the finger and go, that needs to change. Maybe this person should be in office or that person should be in office. Understand, things are the way they are because the church has neglected duty. Because we haven't prayed. We haven't come together. One of the things I love about Pentecost is that they were together in one place praying. But we've been divided. We've been dealt with compromise and so many scandals and things in this church of America. And God is dealing with it. And I'm not saying that as a pointing a finger. We go like this because the church is us. And so we can't stand with pointed finger. We stand with hands lifted up, crying out for mercy, saying, God, we're sorry. Come. Bring another great awakening in this nation, Lord. We need it. Shake things, Lord, as you've been shaking, but awaken the church because it's time. So on this day of Pentecost that we celebrate, let's go read the story. Can we turn to Acts chapter 2? And I just want to share some things that are on my heart. You've probably read this, many of you have read this many times, but every time it's a fresh, amen? How many know the word speaks afresh to us? The Holy Spirit has something fresh every day 
for us. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak clearly. We incline our ear to you. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in this service and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Everybody said, all right. I love the New King James Version. I'm a big fan of the NASB, if you haven't noticed, but the New King James Version says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, had fully come. They were all with one accord, nice one, Pastor Sam, this morning, in one place, and, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then, they, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I think when we, we celebrate, when we commemorate something, we are reminded. We look back on it and we go, you know, we, you know, to commemorate really means to serve as a memorial or reminder of, to honor the memory of by some observance. So this morning, let's look back at this story afresh in, new, in, in fresh perspective on it. And let's look at what the Holy Spirit was doing, but let's look at what we are to be reminded of. How many, know, how many need lots of reminders? Yeah, I've got, I've got multiple alarms for each reminder on my phone. And, and I press snooze, but the reminders, you know, they'll build up, and I've and I, and I got notifications going off because there's things that are backlogged that I have not gotten to. Come on, anyone like that? You need multiple reminders, but it's good to stir up by way of reminder what the Lord wants, what the Lord uh, is trying to speak to us through these Stories and you know the 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 day of the story of Pentecost is is not just a story, but it's it's meant to shape the experience of the life of every believer. How many believe that this morning? God opened the heavens and He hasn't closed them; they're still open. Power is flowing from heaven this morning. Come on. The question is: Are we receiving? Have we turned the light switch on for that power to be released in our lives? But I want to say, share four things this morning that Pentecost reminds us of. And when we look at the day of Pentecost had fully come, number one is this, Pentecost reminds us of the harvest. Somebody say the harvest. You know, the first Pentecost occurred on the ancient Jewish holiday known as the Feast of Weeks. And this unique feast can, occurred seven weeks after Passover. So 49 days they would they would come in and bring an Omer and they would celebrate the, 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 the Feast of Weeks and culminating with the actual feast on the 50th day, hence that term Pentecost. Are you with me still? It's the fourth of the spring feast that marked the end of the barley harvest and the start of the wheat harvest. It's also called the Day of First Fruits. We've had several words on that this morning, so the Holy Spirit knows what he's up to. But the Feast of Harvest, or in the Hebrew and in the Israel today, Shavuot, which means weeks. And so they were to present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord and bring two loaves of bread to be waved. Somebody go like this this morning. Give me one of these, all right? It was a wave offering, and they had two loaves. 
And I believe it was a picture, it was a, uh, to point to the Gentiles and the Jews, amen, coming together. And they waved those two loaves in celebration. It was a rejoicing over the time of harvest, presenting that grain, or, that grain offering. And it says in Leviticus 23, it was to be a statute forever in all their dwelling places throughout their generations. And so we recognize this. When we look back at these feasts and these festivals in the Old Testament, that they are types and shadows of things to come in Christ. And so we look at Colossians 2.16 and 17, and, and Paul says this to the church at Col- Colossia, and it's, he says, Therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But listen to this part. But the substance belongs to Christ. I mean, when you see a shadow, you see the outline, you see the darkness, but you don't see the features, the substance is in the person or the object that is causing that shadow. And so that's the way when we look at the Old Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus. It's all pointing to who he, he would be. And so just as we only see that the shadow, not the dimensions, the colors, the details, all these feasts pointed to Christ. And while these feasts celebrated a physical harvest, they point to a spiritual harvest. A spiritual harvest. And what is that? Well, on the day of Pentecost, there was those 120 believers stuffed into this upper room for 10 days praying and seeking God. Amen? Like sometimes we have a problem with a one-hour prayer meeting. Come on, somebody. 10 days. <laughs> 10 days with 120 people. I don't know what it smelled like in there, but come on. That was, it was tight quarters, I'm sure. And there, there they were praying and seeking God. It took that long, not for them to get into a Honda, but to get in one accord. To get in one accord. I mean, it really takes that long for us to get there and get on the same mind. That's a lot of times when you're in prayer meetings, you feel like people are all over the place, and then eventually you get this agreement. Come on. And when that agreement comes, that's when things happen. There's power in agreement. And so they were there. And then also on that same day, 3,000 were saved and baptized. And so really this was the first fruits of that harvest. Amen? And then Jesus said to them, my food, look at, look at, uh, oops, uh, look at Acts, or sorry, John chapter 4, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says to him, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's good food. That's good eating. You guys got quiet. That's, that's, that's a way to live. You, do, not, do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Where was he? He was in Samaria. He had just had the encounter with the woman at the well, right? Jesus is talking about the harvest of souls. The harvest of souls that that God's calling us into. He's calling us into those fields to be to 
reach and reap the harvest that God has in the season. How many know there's another festival? It's coming in, in, in the fall, and it's the feast of ingathering. And in that, there's a great harvest, the fall harvest. And that also points to something that happens in the end times. I love what Pastor John preached. How many were here last week? Pastor John preached on being filled with the Holy Spirit, having your lamps ready with oil. Because we're in those times. There's indications, there's signs of the times that we're in those end times. And part of the end times is there's going to be a great harvest in the earth of people coming to the Lord. A great harvest. But even now, even then, Jesus said, look, the fields are white. And even in that town where the, where the woman was, she had this encounter with Jesus. She goes back to her town and she begins to tell people about it. And there's revival in Samaria. Fields are white for harvest. Then what Jesus told them in Acts, the last words Jesus said. The last words before he ascended to the Father. You've heard it many times, but it bears repeating. But you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Pastor Sam shared two weeks ago on really the purpose of Pentecost, I mean, the, that to, for us to be a witness, God is be causing us to become a witness. That's because we are, becoming shape, we are becoming conformed to his image. The witness is the, the, the very character, nature, person of Jesus that, that is in us. Come on. The world sees that. That's the witness. That's undeniable because it's so distinct from everything else that's in the world we're called to be that witness. We need to be reminded of the harvest. We think of Pentecost. We need to be stirred up and be concerned with what Jesus is concerned with. Pastor Julia talked about he's interceding. He's at the right hand. He's interceding for the harvest too. He's interceding for us. And, with, and that is with fulfilling the great commission. Amen? One of the pastors we support we, from, from, Mich, from Fiji, his name is Pastor Kalebi, one of his statements that i love he says his last words are first concern his last words our first concern you shall be my witnesses in judea uh, jerusalem judea samaria and the uttermost parts of the world so number one is this that we are reminded of the harvest and we need to have a mindset of uh, towards the harvest in our life amen church all right Number two, it reminds us of the new covenant. How many are thankful this morning for the new covenant? You see, Pentecost also marks the day for the Jews when the law was given at Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19, we see on that day there were thunders and lightnings and thick clouds. Who Pastor Sam was sharing earlier on this too, right? They came to the edge, of the, the edge of that, or was that in prayer? Maybe it was prayer over worship. You were sharing that. They came to the edge of that mountain, and God wanted to speak to them. And they were like, Moses, no, 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 you go talk to God for us. A little scary. You go talk to God. And, and that mountain, there was fire. There was smoke wrapped around it. Come on, this was quite a scene. Earthquaking. It was, it was, it was something. 
And God gives the, the law to Moses. And, and, and while, they were, while this is happening, they go and they sin and they, in the sin of idolatry with the golden calf. So in contrast to the day of Pentecost when 3,000 are saved, on that day 3,000 were killed and judged. But then we look at this. As Christians, we celebrate this, that it is the fulfillment of the new covenant that we have in Christ. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart and I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Come on, somebody. We celebrate that this morning. It's no longer written on tablets, but God's by the Holy Spirit has written it on our hearts. His very thoughts, his very heart we have through the outpouring of his spirit. The Holy Spirit filled each person gathered there individually. He just says the Bible says that it filled the place where they were at, but then it filled them individually. They would no longer know God externally, but he would dwell on the inside of each of them in their hearts. The Holy Spirit being their guide, their teacher, their comforter, and their strengthener, and their friend. How many thankful for that? And as the, book of, uh, as the writer of the book of Hebrews writes in, in Hebrews 11, or 8, 8 verse 11, he says this, And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. From the least to the greatest of them, all have the opportunity to know him intimately. This is eternal life, to know him. And that word know is gnosko in the Greek, and it means, this, this, I call it the uh, 12-inch drop. Come on. It's, the, it's going from head knowledge to heart. Knowing him intimately from the heart, knowing him personally. You see, somebody can tell you about Jesus. They can tell you about all his wonderful characteristics, his love, his mercy, his grace, who he is. He's slow to anger. He's full of loving kindness, abundant in loving kindness. But he wants you to know it personally. He said he would be our teacher. He would lead us into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. We were reminded that God fulfilled his promise of the new covenant. And now we are able to experience the reality of it each day in intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thirdly, this. Pentecost reminds us of the promise of the Father. I love it. It's the promise of the Father being fulfilled. How many know there's many promises from the Father, but this is the promise? Not a promise, but the promise. The one, the most, one of the most important promises being fulfilled. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, look at this, and it says that, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Look at this. How significant is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I mean, you can't leave home without it. He says, you're going to stay here until you get it. And you can't leave home until you got it. You can't go minister. You can't go enter into the harvest. You can't be the church until you have it. Come on. It's that significant. Jesus didn't even begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And the Father, there was the audible voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then that ministry began. But listen, we, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God's called us to do. We will just be treading without it. The Lord put on my heart this week as I was praying about this message. He said, my people are lacking power. They're... And it, Here's, let me just understand. It's not that the power is not available. The power is available, but we're, we're living on a low charge. You know when your phone gets into low power mode? See, I work in this industry, so I can tell you a few things. They, the phone starts shutting off other functions in the background so your battery doesn't die. And so as a believer, sometimes we get operating in low power mode, just enough charge to get through the day. Just enough charge to get through the day. God does not want you living that way. He wants you full and overflowing. He wants his power flowing, not just enough for you to make it, but for enough for it to flow and be a source to other people. That's what we're reminded of on the day of Pentecost. There was no shortage of power. We're in an energy crisis. How many of you are hearing this on the news? There's an energy crisis, gas prices, all these things happening. But we can't have an energy crisis in the church. We need to be tapped into the power of the source. You need to be continually being charged in the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, we can't make it. That's what the message was last week. We can't make it. And how do we do it? you got to stir yourself up you got to kindle afresh that gift that's in you. That's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, kindle afresh. Kindle that flame in you. How many of you have been around that campfire and just begins to die and, and there's just some embers in there? And you, you know, some people are really good. They'll, they'll, they'll poke it and they'll, get it, they'll, they'll start blowing on it. It takes a little bit of poking. It takes a little blowing. And then it becomes, comes back to life. Your spiritual life is that way. You, gotta, you, you can't just let those embers flame out. you got to maintain and sustain. See, God can't do that for you. See, he, Paul didn't say to Kim, Timothy, have, have God help you stir, kindle afresh. He had to kindle it. Hallelujah. All right. You guys got quiet on that one. It's so much easier, Pastor, if God does it. Come on. You kindle afresh. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, kindle it up. All right. Luke 3, 16, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I. <laughs> and I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, 
Yet there are many believers today who either reject or neglect this gift. You can just neglect it. You can, yes, I believe in the baptism. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. No, you got to get filled afresh. Stay filled. And it won't cost you $6 a gallon. Come on, somebody. It's freely receive, freely give. I just, I asked people, I said, why wouldn't you? I remember my dad sharing about how the Lord really got, opened his heart to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, why wouldn't you want a gift that I have? Right? He's the giver of every good gift. And this one's especially good. <laughs> why would you not want this? Every good gift, receive every good gift that God has. It's believe on him, take him at his word, open your heart, repent. Well, first repent and then believe on his word and receive what he's given. I promise you it'll flow like a river. And this promise was fulfilled again and again in the early church. Acts 4. Man, Pastor Sam, you took half my message. All right. Acts 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Man, it's transformative. It takes us timid, weak people and it turns us into bold evangelists for the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's not personality. It's his personality in me. Come on. That's what changes me. Peter and John going to Samaria. They'd heard that they had received the word and were believing. They, they came and it says they laid hands on them and baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues and they began to prophesy. Prophesy. Then in Acts chapter 10, Peter has the revelation of the Lord opening the gospel to the Gentiles and He's, he's sent and meets up with Cornelius at his household, and he's preaching the gospel. And those Caesareans, as he was hearing, the Bible says, as they were hearing the word of God, the Holy Spirit baptized him, and they spoke in other tongues. And Peter's like, whoa, awesome, awesome. And I love Acts chapter 19 because Paul shows up there, and they, he finds some believers in Ephesus, and he, had, he asked them, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we have not so much heard of it. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And they said, we have not so much even heard of the Holy Spirit. You see, they had heard part of the message, but they had to be baptized into Jesus' name, and then they had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And why, you got to wonder, how did Paul know that? It, probably because there is a distinctive in the life of a spirit-filled believer. It's really clear when you have it and when you don't. Come on. You are, you, are, you are spewing with the life of God. It's coming out of you like rivers of living water. It's, it's distinctive. It's noticeable. It's the life of the Holy Spirit flowing in and out of us. But the promise of the Father, why was it called this? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. Look at Romans 8, 
15 and 16 says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You don't got to stay in fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, like they were saying earlier, that you know there's a faith knowing I am his son, I'm his daughter. It's this, your spirit inside of you, that life. You've been born from above. It's evident. So we were, were reminded of the harvest. We're reminded of the new covenant. We're reminded of the promise of the Father. But we're reminded of our prophetic calling as the church. Yes. Our prophetic calling as the church you see peter when he was standing up and preaching to the masses there gathered in jerusalem i mean come on you got to remember peter right the guy who denied jesus three times the guy who was presumptuous had all these things but he gets baptized he becomes the new, a new peter a bold peter preaching to thousands unashamed unafraid that's how transformative it is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he declared to them, but this was what was spoken through the prophet Joel, Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I'm like, you might have been in church 20 years and heard this scripture 100 times. But I want to ask you, are all prophesying? Because that's what I feel like when the Lord said, we're operating in low power mode. There's more. There's more. There's more than what you're experiencing. There's more than what we're experiencing as the church. And we want to reach for the more. We don't want to be satisfied with the less. Come on. If you're comfortable where you're at, then I'm sorry, but I can't stay there. I'm not happy with just church and business as usual. We want the Holy Spirit to show up and things to happen, miracles, signs, and wonders. We want to be, we want proclamation of the gospel with power. I can't just go through the motions, church. Can you? He wants us to be alive, prophesying. And, and I, let, me, uh, let me just tell you, that's God's will for all of us to prophesy. He tells us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So I'm challenging you. Are you desiring, are you reaching by faith for those gifts to operate in your life? They're not just for pastors and ministers in fivefold. They are for the body of Christ. Each and every one of you, the Holy Spirit can work in and through each and every one of us. And in fact, we need him to. Because you have a unique expression, gifting that God's given you that is needed for the body of Christ to function. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are so beautiful. They're so wonderful. They're the expression of his heart. Him who, so, where was I? All right. And your old men shall dream dreams. You got some old men? You dreamy? Even. Your young men shall see visions. Come on. What Pastor John described of when he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he saw things. 
God wants to open our eyes to visions. He wants to open our dreams, begin to dream. How many know there's sometimes, guys, I'm just going to say this, there's sometimes those dreams you thought were insignificant are very significant. God speaks through dreams. And so when, the, when you're, the Holy Spirit's stirring you, you write those things down and ask him to help you interpret it. Come on. There's meaning quite often in some of the dreams we have. And then some of them are just pizza dreams. How, they'll just be honest. Some of them are just plain weird. Like, well, I need to wake up. Yeah. I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. It's the Lord's, it was the Lord, and we go back, it was the Lord's desire for all of Israel to be prophets and priests. You look at Numbers chapter 11, 29, and Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets? That the Lord would put his spirit upon them. See, they wanted, they wanted just, they just wanted Moses to hear from God and talk to them. But God desired to speak to each one of them individually. To be a mouthpiece for him. To speak by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. And then in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, he says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, this is uh, speaking to the children of Israel, and keep my covenant, I should say, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples of all the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words that you shall speak to the sons of israel god was speaking to moses to talk to them and and they were to be a kingdom of priests now listen there was a condition they had to obey his voice and keep the covenant and we know if you've read the story they did not do that they were called to be a holy nation set apart for god's purpose separated separated unto him consecrated to him for his purpose special in his eyes peculiar god put a circle around this people of israel and said you will be mine and i'm going to use you to be mediators of my grace to the nations that was his intention the condition that they would obey that was all that it was and they would be a nation of priests Instead of a nation with priests is what they ended up being. And see, sometimes in the church, let's be honest, we've been called to this, but we're a church with it instead of being a church of it. Just a challenge to us as the church to step into the prophetic calling he has for us. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You need to speak this over here every morning. Look in the mirror. Come on. A people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim, you may proclaim, listen, the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And my, my favorite part of this, for you were once not a people. We didn't belong. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, mercy but now you have received mercy. See, we're called as a church to function in kingly authority, priestly prayer and intercession and prophetic proclamation. The Holy Spirit transforms us from being ordinary people to the extraordinary people used by him. 
Aren't you glad for that? I mean, average people who God just takes and, and does extraordinary supernatural things through their lives just because they've yielded and made themselves available to him. It says in, and in Revelation 1, 6, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and father to him to be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Can I have the worship team come as we close this morning? But I think, I just want to say this. You know, it can be very disheartening to look at the state of the church in Western culture in America and go, wow, we, you know, we look back at Pentecost. We look at who the church was meant to be and how far we've strayed from that. But I want to tell you this, this morning that God still has a plan. God's plan still prevails because he said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. I want to tell you that the church isn't going anywhere. The devil can do what he can, but it's, see, it's not man building this. It's God building it. It's Jesus says he will build his church. And the gates speak in the ancient city, the gates were the places where people would come and do business and counsel together and strategize. They would strategize. And so when it says the gates of Hades, it's speaking of where the devil and his minions are trying to strategize against the church. Evil schemes, counsel against you, against the church. But I want you to see something. The church still stands over the course of history through persecution, deception, scandals. His church has continued. And here's the news this morning, and his church will stand until the age to come. In fact, many cases where they've come against the church the hardest, the church has grown even faster. You see, we need to get hold of and look back as we look at that day of Pentecost. Do you want to stand to your feet as we close this morning? We look back at the birthplace of the church. We look back at all that happened on that historic, momentous day. Let us be reminded of who he's called us to be. That the church is not a place you go. It's not a social club. It's a living organism in the earth. It's a living organism that we are part of the body of Christ. We're reminded of who we are meant to be. We're reminded that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to go into the harvest. And I feel there's a quickening this morning for some of you. You've been on the sidelines a bit. You're watching this thing. Maybe doing a little Monday morning quarterback on the sidelines. But God's calling you in to to no longer spectate, to be, but be a part of what he's doing in this time, this hour. But you can't do it in your own power and your own strength. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God takes afraid, timid people and he turns them upside down, inside out, and he makes them into powerful vessels of his glory. I love it. If you would have told me 20 years ago I'd be standing here doing this, I mean, you're crazy. You're crazy. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. His power working in you. Some of us just need to get a vision of who he's called us to be, the church. Not powerless, but powerful. You need to know this morning that the Father keeps his promises. The Father fulfills his side of the deal. The conditions on our side. Will you just lift your hands for just a moment? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to do something. Because what the Lord wants to do is not just happening up here. It needs to happen all over this place. It needs to happen in each heart here. But I feel this morning that we should stir up, our, stir ourselves up here in the Holy Spirit. Can we do that? Can you just begin? You, if you got... If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, you begin to pray out in the Spirit right now.